Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting premiere podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter. Frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And my guest tonight, who is currently being assaulted by her dog. <laughs> Hello, Dana. How are you managing at the moment? Well, thanks to Doug Days, I, all I can now... <laughs> Shit is Cleo saying everything in Doug's voice. Like, I brought you a sock because I love you. Now I give you kisses because I love you. Go get the sock. She loves, she, she doesn't chew on Andre's socks, but she loves to get them and carry them around like it's a security blanket kind of thing. And then she'll just walk up to me. It's like, hi, look, sock. I understand. Uh, tonight we are, our favorite shows are Monsters at Work Season 1 from Disney Plus and a a series of, I think it was five shorts that just recently debuted on Disney Plus called Doug Days, which is a follow-up to the movie Up. And I got to ask, since you are out there in the world amongst the people and, uh, you know, you have a somewhat your, your finger on the pulse of what's now, what's hip, what's trending, uh, what's the word, Officer Bird, on Monsters at Work? Is this something people are talking about? Not really, actually. People seemed interested when the trailer first dropped and when the first episode dropped, but it kind of it kind of died pretty fast. Mm -hmm. It just didn't seem to be gaining a lot of popularity. And I'm not going to lie, I could kind of see why. It's a good series. Yes, thank you, honey. But it's just, it doesn't really have a lot of lasting potential to it. It's your standard workplace comedy. I mean, mm -hmm. granted, it's a workplace with CGI monsters, so you have some creativity with the visuals and everything. But even then, these are characters we've seen done a hundred times over, and it really doesn't have a lot of lasting potential. Not to mention, I think there is a lot of people who think Mindy Kaling's voice will give them seizures. A <laughs> couple of thoughts I had about the show, just kind of going into it. Um, you know, they did a sequel to Monsters, Inc., Monsters prequel. University. Yeah. And uh, and that's right. It was a prequel. Um, so you never got to see what happened with the fallout of using laugh uh, energy as opposed to, you know, scream. I can't remember what the name they call it. Uh, uh, it was scream energy. And then in the movie, we cut immediately to uh, to them being successful with mm -hmm. laugh energy. Right. But there is something to be said about showing the actual change. I mean, I kind of like the idea that all of a sudden you have all these employees going, wait, do we still have jobs? Right. You know, or what about the people's like, I've trained my whole life to be a scarer. And, you know, it, it's like training your whole life to be a chef at an Italian restaurant. And then you go in, they say, oh, we're only hiring sushi chefs now. Right. No, perfect. And, th and that's what I'm saying. Like, there's actually a really there's actually a really good premise here for what they're doing in terms of a sequel and it really you know they they need stuff to put on Disney plus you know as I say they need they need videos to put on the video shelf uh, at the video store so um you know whereas this might have made a perfectly adequate sequel movie uh they stretch the they stretch the concept into a 10 episode 
show. And I think this, the actual episodes are about 22 minutes long. And it's fine. Um, I think, uh, you know, Monsters, Inc. Uh, certainly resonated with a lot of people. Monsters University, not so much. Uh, years and years ago when it came out, Jeff and I, Jeff Harris from 401 Media and I, reviewed it. And, you know, at the time, like, you're like, it's fine. It's not as good as Monsters, Inc. But, you know, it, you know, Pixar rarely puts out a terrible movie. So uh, it was definitely lower tier Pixar, mid to lower tier Pixar. Um, just out of curiosity, what what were your, where does Monsters Inc. stand for you? Um, you know, is it one of your higher Pixar, mid tier Pixar? It is. Strangely enough, it's one of the Pixar films that when I first saw it, it was mid tier. But as I've gotten older, I've gained more of an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of weird like that. Uh, as far as Monsters University. I did like it, but I saw a lot of complaints. People said, you ever seen a college or, you know, it's like a welcome to college film. It's that. Yeah. And, and yeah, they're right. It is very much again in that same vein, you have to really embrace these characters and love them to really get Mm -hmm. a kick out of this kind of a thing. So again, I understand. Um, I guess I liked Monsters University a little bit more for the creativity that went with it. Not to mention some stellar choices in voice acting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was a really great one who played, like, the dragon uh, dean of the school. Helen Mirren. Yeah, and, you know, you can't go wrong with Helen Mirren. And Alfred Molina is the head professor. Mm-hmm. I even love you get this thing with the two uh, fraternity and sorority representatives. I think they were voiced by Aubrey Plaza and Nathan Fillion. <laughs> and again, love- it's like... It's like, wouldn't you expect those two to just be perfect opposite ends well, for one another? It is an absolutely outstanding voice cast. They can't help the, you know, the actual content that they're being given to work with. Uh, and by the way, just as an aside, I love Audrey, Audrey Brazel. She can do no wrong in my eyes. I don't know. Um, I know you're a big comic person. I don't know if you watched the show Legion that was on FX. I watched a couple of episodes. I mostly fell in love with the stylized mm-hmm. uh, way it was filmed because it is a beautiful show to watch but it's a little confusing aubrey plaza um is uh, is on that show as i'm sure you remember and mm-hmm. uh, jesse and i reviewed all three seasons of that love the shit out of aubrey plaza one of the highlights of that film also the blonde girl's butt but that's a whole other story um all right so premise set the day after henry j Wardenus the third is arrested at monsters inc the monsters incorporated factory is making the transition to laugh power Tyler Tuskman, who is our point of view character, a recent scare major uh, graduate from Monsters University, working as a mechanic in the factory's facility team, dreams of working alongside Mike and Sully. Meanwhile, Mike and Sully encounter the trials and tribulations of running the company. With the exceptions of the first and tenth episode, every episode concludes with a mini segment titled Mike's Comedy Class, where Mike tries to teach each other uh, teach other monsters about comedy topics, usually with some unexpected results. In that was my favorite. I watched. I binged this over the weekend with my kids, and my son saw the the, the best part of the show were the the comedy bits at the end. Um, there were a couple of really good ones. I absolutely love the deconstruction of the knock knock jokes that Mike just <laughs> happened to be led away. It's like this is the basis of comedy. What is wrong with you people? I love I, that. I had a I had a slightly different take. I enjoyed the whoopee cushion bit. <laughs> you know, like, I don't I don't know what I did with it. I don't know what I did here, and then he sits on it like you broke it. <laughs> So that is kind of funny. Just the idea, just sentence like poking at it. it's like, how do you make this work? It's supposed to be automatic. <laughs> like, there about- is something to be said. Oh god, the clown one. That was. I already know that that gave some kids nightmares. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it was quite the visual. 
Uh, let's talk about Tyler Tuskman. Um, so he's your your lead in this. I mean, there's ample time given to uh, there's ample time given to Mike and Sully. Um, more Mike than Sully, and that's an issue I have with the show, and we'll get to that momentarily. But I want to talk about Tyler. He's your main focus here, and I have to say, you know, I his story is one that I think resonates. You know, you prepare your whole life for to do one thing that you've always had, you know, a dream about doing, and then you get that opportunity, and it's not anywhere what you think it is. As a matter of fact, it's entirely different than what you prepared for, and you know, the, the single-mindedness of him to the exclusion of all else, the way he treats people. It's a trope. It's a character trope that we've seen other people do. I'm not entirely sure I loved this iteration of it. I don't like Tyler as a character. He comes around at the end, but I did not find him to be extraordinarily likable for the majority of the of the show, which makes this not the easiest thing to watch. Agreed. It takes a couple of episodes for Tyler to have his his walls break down, for a lack of better words. Again, he graduated top of his class, and he thinks he's going in to be a scare, and literally the day he starts is the day that they decide, oh, we're not scaring anymore. Right. And uh, they say, well, we'll still give you a job, and they put him in the facilities team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean... Um, the way I kind of look at that is, uh, you know, I went to broadcast school and I worked for a local TV station for a while. And I imagine someone getting out of broadcast school, top of their class saying, I'm going to go be a news anchor. <laughs> and then they get there and they're told, oh, we're not, uh, you know, we're switching. We're not doing the news anymore. Right. We're, you know, we're going to do stand up comedy and or- being. Or I was or- going to say, maybe this is something a little bit more akin to what you actually went through. You learn hand drawn animation and you know the way that we've been doing animation since you know the early 20th century and then you get out into the world and like yeah, everything's on computers now did you take computer classes in, in college well no i learned hand-drawn animation well <laughs> we can't and then to top then. it off he is basically told that he's got to go it's like we'll still give you a job and he's put in the maintenance team again right it's like so instead of being a hand-drawn animator or tv anchor you're a janitor right and you get that you, you do get that mm-hmm. And it is a little hard for him. And you understand where he's coming from. But again, it does take a couple of days for, I don't want to say his elitism, but he definitely has an air of superiority to him, which is kind of annoying. But it also doesn't help that, yeah, the other characters, the the Mifters, Mm -hmm. Monsters, Inc. facility team, do tend to be a bit on the annoying side. They're the the island of misfit toys. Again, a, a, a tried and true trope in sitcom comedy you know everybody who everybody who uh are you know um you know who was in the uh the cab company at um taxi you know we're all you know (laughs) what was it that judd hirsch used to say i'm the only one here that's a taxi driver tony's a boxer nicky's at nicky nick conway's an actor Uh, you know iggy's of this and then you know everyone's something nobody's a taxi driver except me and that's and the, you know and that's it's sort of the reverse here. It's just like, well, I'm not really a maintenance person. I'm I'm a scarer, and that's you know, and I'm just misplaced right now. Like, no, you're you're one of us, you know. And you get that dramatic tension and that comedic tension, which, which again is fine. I just there is a way to do this where he's not insufferable and mean. Yeah, see, that's the thing is that they're not really the Isle Misfit toys because the others want to be there, right? 
You know, we got uh, Fritz voice. Well, they're amazing. peculiar. P. They're peculiar. Yeah, characters. Yeah, but the others want to be there. You got Fritz mm-hmm. voiced by freaking Henry Winkler. Yeah, I just noticed that today. I didn't realize that yeah. was him when I was watching. I was like, holy crap, that's that's a Fonz. Yeah, it does not sound like the Fonz anymore. <laughs> oh, not at all. Yeah, you got Mindy Kaling as Val, mm-hmm. who again took a couple of episodes to stop being so insufferable. They have this running <laughs> gag with her with her character. That she and Tuskman went to school together briefly. Mm. Uh, she ended up dropping out, and th- there is a there is a bit of a funny guy. She's like, "Wow, I drop out of college, you graduate top of your class from college, and we're in the same department. Who knew?" <laughs> you know, there's something kind of funny about that. But she keeps bringing up all these classes that she assumed they took together, and it's like they they confirm in the first episode they only took one class together. Mm-hmm. So she keeps bringing it up, and after a while, it's just like Tyler is—it's it, not funny anymore to hear Tyler say it must have been someone else, right? Because it well, Again, obviously he's wasn't. Mean, he's mean to her, and you're like, why is she? You don't get. There's one explanation later on in the series to where she, uh, kind of explains why she's so needy for his attention, mm-hmm. but that's all you get of that. The rest of the time, you're left kind of wondering why would you? Why are you putting up with this? He's actively being mean to you. He's not subtle about this. He, you know, he, you know, he wants nothing to do with her. He wants nothing to do with being a mechanic, and he actively says out loud, "I'm going to do everything I can to get away from all of you who I don't want to be around in the first place." And her reaction is, "Pay attention to me," you know, like finding reasons for them to bond, and it's like. Come on, man. <laughs> like, I get this is for kids, and I really I really do, and I don't want to deconstruct it too much, but it, it it stretches credulity after a while, you know, that people would act that way. Very much. And I'm not gonna lie, Duncan. I understand <laughs> you need a pseudo-antagonist mm-hmm. or a, a rival, so to speak, to Tuskman. Mm-hmm. But this guy just stopped being funny so fast i mean it it was the same joke for 10 episodes wasn't it i think the only time i genuinely laughed was when he's playing with roto his pet Mm -hmm. and tyler goes roto or frodo i'm sorry was it roto or frodo i think it was roto r-o-t-o if i remember the uh i thought it was frodo that's what i kept hearing but it doesn't matter I hate to say I have a tendency to watch shows on Disney Plus with the subtitles because you never know when somebody's going to start barking. <laughs> okay. No, seriously, I've gotten spoiled on subtitles from owning dogs. And uh, and, and yeah, he's like, are you allowed to have pets there? And Doug is like, he, she's, it's like, he's, I, I don't even remember if Rhoda was a he or she was like, it's my su- emotional support animal. And that actually <laughs> genuinely made me laugh. I, I got a good laugh at that. And, the, and, and, and look, we're, we're starting off a little on the negative side because there were some issues with the writing of this. But I do have to say, I did laugh at times. There were parts of this that, despite myself, were funny. My kids laughed at it. You know, it didn't really lose anyone's attention. And, like, there are some things that you and I have watched and I've watched with my kids. And I come back and I say, yeah, this lost us halfway through. My kids were like, you know, I, well, let me say this. My son was into it the whole time. My 10-year-old daughter was on her phone the, almost the entire time. And I could kind of get a get the sense of she's out here because I've asked her to be a part of this. But she would, would have rather have been anywhere else. I think if my own kids are any model, this, this tends to track probably Y7, you know, or younger. 
Probably. Not so much. And there are parts that just don't make a lot of sense. We established mm-hmm. early on how annoying Duncan is and how badly he's after Fritz's job when he retires. Right. And everyone else knows. And we see just how annoying Duncan is to Cutter and Val and all of them. But then when they have to choose a deputy supervisor to take over and Val gets it, Duncan plays on their emotions and they feel sorry for him. It's like, you, no, you guys <laughs> have established he is the most annoying person in the office. Right. Why are you suddenly feeling sorry for him? It would have been more funny than like, oh God, if it'll shut him up there, he can have it. <laughs> Something like that. It just, it was playing more to there. Just, he's going to be like this the whole time. If we don't do something. Right. See, that would have been funny. Yeah. Duncan comes across as like psycho at times, you know, you get to see with the, the mini monsters, which I actually hate to say, but that was my favorite episode of this with the little kids. Yeah. Yeah. Visiting. yeah. That, that was really cute. I did like that. Um, you know, remind me so much of the whole take your daughter to work day thing sure. that I did with my mom as a kid. But yeah, and then you get the scene where he's paired up with the little kid and he makes him sign the contract saying that mm-hmm. he's not going to go after Fritz's job. It's like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's like, take, that's not even funny. Take no for an answer. I don't want your stupid job. Yeah. Um, going back to Tyler, just so we can wrap on him. Yeah, he, he comes around at the end. Look, and like I said, the writing is halfway decent. It's funny at times. Um, it plays a little too heavily on known tropes. Um, you you can. This was obviously meant for a very young audience. They're not trying to complicate this at all or give these characters a tremendous amount of depth. But you know that. Well, with all that said, towards the end of the series, Tyler does come around, and a lot of the unlikable things about him seem to you know he go he has a nice little arc to him he he is changed by the events of the show and so you know like what more can you ask for you know in in sort of structured writing for a television show than having your main character have an arc and land somewhere else than where he started which tyler does do and that's fine i just you know (laughs) it's a little hard for me to stay invested they don't you know when when evan and i talked about the mighty ducks you know, we were talking about how they they started making changes with the characters early on. And there was, a you know, there was a faster evolution. So by the time you got to the end of it, you were very satisfied with where the characters landed. It wasn't so much a sharp turn. This feels like a sharp turn because he's kind of the same for like six, seven episodes. And then it's the last few where he changes. Um, and, and a lot of the show, a lot of the, the setups to the comedy and the dramatic tension is him trying to get away with being a shitty person. Like he just does stuff like, and tries to then cover it up. And that's supposed to make you laugh. Like, Oh, Tyler, you cad. And I was like, no, I don't like he deserves to be punished for half of what he did. Honestly, I would have preferred if this thing was just about Mike and Sully Mm. and the progression because they had the best laughs. They had some really good scenes. I Billy Crystal's delivery. Uh, I absolutely love the scene when they get rid of Rosa and they get her sister Rose, and he's just like Sully. I'm in a nightmare. Wake me up. I so <laughs> wanted to start this review with referring to you as Schmootsy Poo. I <laughs> do I look like I actually my hair is the right color? Well, this is why I don't I do stuff like that. <laughs> this is this is exactly why. But you know, yeah, I I got a kick out of him and. Um, the gal Cecilia. Who plays Cecilia, yeah. Jennifer she, Tilly, Jennifer always Tilly. a great voice actor. That was yes. not, I did not say your name in any of that, Cleo. They, um, I want to talk about Sully because I don't have a whole lot to say about Mike other than, you know, Billy Crystal's great. 
Billy Crystal is one of the one of the funniest comedians, one of the great actors of our time. I don't, I can't think off the top of my head of anything that I've seen him in where he was not great. You know, Billy Crystal's phenomenal, um, and John Goodman's no slouch either. I just felt like they didn't give Sully anything to do. He has the one heart yeah. to heart with Tyler, which which was heartfelt and resonated with me, and that's kind of it. You don't, and maybe this is asking a lot of this show, but you don't get to see how boo what boo's effect on him was in the in the immediate aftermath some of it's implied he does talk about it a little bit here and there but i mean his interactions with boo and monsters inc was was profound and i don't really get a sense that it stayed with him throughout the course of this 10 episodes not to mention the fact that as i said again they don't really give him anything to do that's true. It's like the transition of the company hinges entirely on what Mike is doing. And right. Sully is just the straight man going along with it. And again, it's like he's been made CEO of this huge corporation. Mm-hmm. And you would think he would have some input, some ideas, some things to say here. But again, it's Mike who right. is pushing forward all the changes and coming up with the ideas. He's the one who does the comedy classes. He's the one who interact, interacts with all the younger scarers. Sully just He's is, still on the scare floor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sully's just there. Yeah. And, moping. Yeah. And it's like, Again, John Goodman, one of the not only one, I would say one of the greatest actors we've had in the last few in the last 20 years or so, but less more like 30 years, mm-hmm. but also one of the best voice actors. He always puts so much character and passion when he reads the lines. This is a guy who can go from playing a very sympathetic hero to a horribly despicable villain on a dime. He has got this incredible talent for that. I wish some of what they gave to Tyler, they gave to Sully in the sense of, you know, because Tyler is, as they say in the show, uh, very unfunny, you know, and, and and really wants to fall back on the thing he knew he was good at, which is scaring. And I kind of wish Sully had that sort of moral dilemma that he was still struggling with. Like, you know, by the end of Monsters Inc., he's changed. He understands that scaring children is not a good thing. And, he, you know, and he now has this very personal connection to Boo for that reason. And but I wish Scully, uh, but Scully, I wish Sully was wrestling with it more, especially when things got bad. You know, one of the things I do like about the show is that there's definitely a sands of time thing happening. They are up against it. They have blackouts happening all over the city. They are not able to maintain a consistent level of power. And oh, by the way, if they can't get their shit together, another company is going to end up taking over and they're still doing scare power. So there's some really good things that I picked up as an adult that I thought made, you know, made the drama more interesting, but they don't focus on a lot of it. And Sully would have been a great person for that to be his struggle. Like, I personally don't want to scare children, but everything is falling apart. And I'm, and who the hell said I could be a CEO? My, my job two minutes ago was scaring children. And now I'm in charge of this big, I don't know how to run this company. I don't know what I'm doing. You yeah. get none of that, but that's exactly what he should have been going for. Yeah, especially since this happens, again, right after the end of the Monsters, Inc. film. It just, I don't know. It's like they caught up on what would be happening immediately in some areas and other areas Mm -hmm. they're clearly glossing over. Yeah. But I think we're both in agreement. The show really should have just focused on Mike and Sully 
Cecilia and maybe a couple of other characters. I actually like that they we brought back uh, what's her name, Mrs. Flint, mm-hmm. who was a character in uh, the first movie. You know, and I like that they expanded her and that she right. was now kind of the overseer on auditions for that. I was like, that's actually kind of a cool idea. I you know, I don't mind that they introduced the Tyler character. Where I agree with you is a little too much time spent with the Mifters, not enough necessarily. The, the show is out of balance. I think mm-hmm. you can keep the same elements, but there's so much focused on Tyler and the Mifters, and that needed to be cut by half, and that half needed to be given to Sully. Yeah, definitely. Because Mike's portion of the show is just fine the way it is. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I mean, yeah. how, I think we, we even agreed that the comedy class was some of the best parts of the whole series. Well, it's so funny. You, you were like, you know, John Goodman's a straight man in this relationship. And that reminded me of that one comedy bit they do where he's going, <laughs> where Mike is explaining comedy dynamic between your, between your, your, your man straight and your man and your goofball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and all John Goodman does have to just have to stand there and look at him, you know, and it, it works perfectly because Mike's making an ass out of himself. It's great. Here's further proof that would have worked better is that the best scene in this entire series is when Mike and Bo- or Mike and uh, Sully have to watch the baby while the room is being fixed. Again, that's kind of a clever idea. Mm-hmm. The idea that's like, yeah, a monster can accidentally damage a child's room while they're in there and they got to have someone in there to fix it right. before the parents wake up and they got to get the kid out of there. And they take the kid to a ball game. Right. Now, first of all, this is a great little bit of extra humor because if you know Billy Crystal, you know he is a humongous Yankees fan. Yeah, You know, he's talked about it so much. So I love the idea that this is a you know what was the name of the kid the Mastro- the metrop monstropolis um something but yeah versus the bo- versus the the reds i don't know it was like obviously they, they were playing off like the red Sox. so it's and like, then you guys like and it's headed towards the green monster and the green monster's an actual monster <laughs> yeah i got a kick out of that it's like that was hilarious and i mm-hmm. loved it <laughs> and i love just a little bit of them going back and forth with this human baby disguised as a monster and it's like who brings a baby into a baseball game and all this and all. i was, that was i was laughing pretty hard at that because i got thinking about like um family guy you know where it's a very early family guy episode where peter ends up punching a woman because she sounds like a dude i think she was actually voiced by a guy it, well, yeah <laughs> yeah um you know and all of that i also and i and i and i laughed this stuff as you know does not offend me personally but I'm just I'm just picturing like un, you know families watching this with their children. The clear implication that they were doing gay jokes with Mike and Sully, like the, like they were implying that they were two gay fathers with this child at the baseball game. Like I laughed at that, but I could totally see people going, "God damn it! I can't watch anything with my children anymore. It's everywhere." <laughs> You know, there were some people who had that reaction. Naturally. But even then, I thought that was hilarious. Just the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We order out all the time. You like ordering <laughs> out. Just like, I want to home cook me. Again, it's funny. The subtext mm-hmm. is hilarious. Yes. I thought that was very, I, I was greatly amused by that. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the bit with Mike arguing with the guy in back of him and all of that was funny. Yeah. Um, just going back to Duncan for a second. I, I just uh, I just want to say again, my problem with Duncan and really all the Mifters was as amusing as they were at times, um, they just they tended to kind of just make them one thing and then that was it. And then it's just that joke every single episode. 
Um, yeah, even Cutter's joke repeatedly of just talking about uh, previous mifters who didn't follow safety right. advice and everything. I think the only time I did laugh at that was when she opens up her uh, war case to mm -hmm. the, the the little monster, the mini monster that's been assigned to her. And it's filled with the remains of various <laughs> monsters who have died on her watch. She's like, I can have it. That's not a hit. That's a he. I, I had to walk out of the room during the Dave episode. Like, I, yeah, I was that, that I, I was going it. to make myself lunch or something. I was like, I, I don't even want to watch this. This is dumb. Um, I mean, and in most of the episodes of Monsters at Work, I didn't necessarily feel that way. But that one, the, the one where I think I ended up having to ask my son, like, so how did they resolve this with the stupid dead monster? And my son explained it to me. And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> um, all right. So... Um, anything else that we haven't talked about with um, monsters at work? I'll say for myself, I, I like the Val character. I just wish they'd made her more of a human being. I kind of, you know, I don't know if they're going to keep her as the person who controls the door um, with uh, with Tyler or not, or if she's going to go back to being a mechanic. I, that, that felt unresolved to me. Like she did it once, but I wasn't quite sure if she was going to, if they were going to make that a permanent thing or not. Um, I would like to. I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see her and Tyler actually develop a real friendship and not the kind of thing they were doing through this the entirety of the series. Um, I will say this: one of the things I really like about this show, one of the things I think is their strength, is you really got a sense of how the factory works, which is sort of an odd thing and maybe not something anyone else cared about. But I do. This was the this was the place where this is the world that this show takes place in. It felt lived in. It felt like it all made sense to me. You know how things operate. Um, oh, I was, that's one. And I'll, I'll just let you talk about this, but I got to bring it up before we, we're done. But to kind of close out this point, the the strength of Monsters at Work for me is that the world itself felt very real, um, and the pressure put on them and the dilemma all felt like something I, that I could relate to. And so there's there is where the strength of writing is. And I'm just going to pitch this next thing to you because I know you're going to gush about it. John Ratzenberg. We had the return of Abominable. Okay, you know that John Ratzenberg has had a brief role in every single Pixar production, correct? I know he's been in a bunch. No, all of, all them. of them. Fair enough. He is Pixar's lucky charm. <laughs> he okay. is what Alan Tudyk is to Walt Disney's current CGI animation department. They have to put him in everything, even if it's in the tiniest role, even in the movie Coco, which they strive to have an all um, Latina. Yeah, Latina or Mexican cast. Even they admitted, no, he's in there. It's just a very, very tiny. Was he role. in Brave? Uh, Brave was Disney. Or, or no, wait. No, Brave was Pixar. Hang on a second. I know he's in The Good Dinosaur. Hang on, I'm IMDb-ing this. <laughs> I assure you, madam, it was Pixar. I'm working on it. Give me a second. Googly. Cars, your friend the friend, Village Barshop, Wally, Up, Toy Story 3, Cars 2, Brave. Yep, he was in it. Okay, fair enough. Played a character named Gordon. I have absolutely no idea who that is. But he's there. All right, you were saying. 
I was saying no. I was gra- glad to have him back. I thought that was a really cool idea. I like the idea of unbanishing the abominable snowman. I love how socially awkward he is because you realize he must have been in the Himalayas for years by himself. Mm-hmm. He has completely lost any concept <laughs> of how to properly talk to other people, and it's mm-hmm. great. What I loved about him is him walking around going, "Bob, you're still here," you know, like like he just <laughs> like he hasn't missed a beat. Um, my one comment about that is he got banished because he saw the scare extractor and they were like, we got to get rid of you so that you don't blow the whole thing. And now water noose and the scare extractor are gone, but yet they were still acting like they were still making a big deal about him being banished, which made no sense to me. Like you would assume once you realize what the issue was, they would be like, Oh, it's okay for you to come back. Yeah. Let's we'll, we'll get this fixed now. Duh. But they were, well, I- you know, I could be wrong, but I think they mentioned that he caught note of when they were going to build the uh, scare, ex- the scream extractor. So mm-hmm. I assumed he got banished long before they built it, and that was enough time for Waternoose and um, oh my god, what was the name, uh, Randall, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of start spreading some rumors about the horrible things he did. Because okay. every time he comes across another monster, they're like, oh my god you know what he did to get banished and it's like he like ate he stole like 23 and a half cars and 11 i was like what am i gonna do with half a car honestly (laughs) i mean you might be right about that 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 was the rationale behind it but it was definitely one of those where i'm watching this going you know if only they would talk to one another we could resolve this and not wait 22 minutes to get to a resolution the only real problem i will say with this and i'm just gonna say it i have no problem with giving mike wazowski a new rival since we got rid of randall Mm mm-hmm but whoever had the idea for Gary, I don't care if Gabriel and Glaces <laughs> voiced him. That idea was stupid. It's like, again, having a monster be a rival to Mike. Awesome. Gabriel and Glacius, actually a very good voice actor. Fine. Yeah. Making him just a palette swapped Mike makes <laughs> no sense. You know what's it, funny about that? It just that. looked like laziness. It, I thought it was a throwaway gag at first. I'm like, oh, no, wait, this guy's a, this guy's a major character now? What the hell? I, I don't think they've actually repeated a monster design. They've come close. You've got, you know, tentacle-type monsters and furry monsters and horned monsters and mic-type of monsters, you know, cyclopses and whatnot. But I've never actually seen them repeat an exact design. And that was the first time they did that. And you're right. It's kind of – I think they were going for a joke and just missed. Well, I know that I, I remember seeing a documentary on the DVD about it when they're talking mm-hmm. about it. And I know that there were elements that they recycled between monsters. One mm-hmm. of my favorite ones is that, um, thank you for the squeaky toy, sweetie, is that they're talking about uh, when they were working on the fur. Because uh, mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc. was one of the first CGI animated movies to really experiment with fur texture. And they wanted to get it right. I still remember the first time I saw and you get that scene of Mike, uh, lay, or I'm sorry, Sully laying in the snow after the sled crashes. And looking, mm-hmm. you see the, the, the fur blowing in the wind and some of the snowflakes is catching on. I'm like, that looks so incredible. So I remember this video. They had this CGI ball that would mm-hmm. bounce and just like like you see in a, your normal um, screensavers, but they would try different kinds of fur on it. Like, here's wet fur, here's clumped fur, here's smooth fur. Mm-hmm. And they joked, they said, and we just fell in love with it so much that eventually we put tentacles on it and put it in the movie. And there is a, a monster running around Monsters Incorporated. You see him a couple of times. It's the fur ball <laughs> with tentacles. 
and that's all it is. And I think there's a couple times where you see something that looks just like it, but it's got different legs, or it's got big arms, or it's got eye stalks or something. So they did recycle elements between mm-hmm. monsters, and that's not a bad thing, you know. I, I understand when you're running out of time, it's like, uh, uh, just put those eyes on that character and color them a different stuff, different monster. I get that. There have been some truly brilliant things, like better than they had any right to be, Mighty Ducks, um, on Disney+. Plus. And then there have been some things that was a bit of a struggle for me. This is solidly in the middle. Um, it's not something I would have watched unless, you know, we agreed we were going to talk about it, which we have. And so when season two comes out, which it has, <coughs> it has been renewed for a second season, we'll keep going with it. Like we do, you know, like, you know, we always want to close the circles here. But I will tell you, um, outside of like podcasts and general interest in animation, this is not something I would have bothered to watch. That being said, would I recommend it to somebody else who's got kids, you know, and is looking for something to watch on Disney Plus? Sure. This is as this is the very definition of inoffensive. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not the best. It's just kind of eh, it's fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with this series. Kids mm-hmm. are going to love it. It's colorful. It's bright. There are some real funny moments. The character design is insanely creative. But Monsters Incorporated, every version of it has always given us some beautifully designed creatures. Mm-hmm. And I love the creativity of that. Um, you know, and there's even some clever... I can't believe I'm saying this, but there's even some clever gross-out jokes in this. I... I giggled a little bit when we got the whole scene with Vendy and the new vending machine and they're mm-hmm. making all the, the puns on all the flavors of, <laughs> of drooler cooler. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, it's stupid little bits of gross out humor, but you, you giggle at it and, you know, little yeah. kids are going to love all those kind of jokes. So, sure. you know, if you got kids, they're, you're going to like it. If you really love Monsters Incorporated, you'll probably find something entertaining with this. It's There's nothing horrible with it. It's harmless. It's cute and it's harmless. So we were originally going to do a combined show of this and the Bad Batch. But then Alexis Haina tackled me in the hallway of Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. And she said, we must talk about Doug Days. So why must we talk about Doug Days? Well, firstly, I hate to say, but I noticed pretty quickly that Bad Batch has not gotten Mm -hmm. the following that uh, Disney lucasfilm whatever thought it was gonna get mm-hmm. i have seen barely any discussion about this i mean when you look at how people reacted to star wars rebels right excuse me hiccup there and the star wars uh, animated clone series and all the kind of stuff and just how incredibly popular they were and then you see it's the same animation style and it's the same team and you think it's gonna be the same thing no, no one cares about this. I I have seen zero cosplays over all the conventions I've been working. Hell, mm-hmm. I think I've seen maybe two t-shirts with uh, characters on it. I have seen very little merch from it. I, I barely even see Funko Pops. Yeah, and the finale, the so usually on Twitter, what trends is the season premiere and then the season finale of something. Mm-hmm. And this thing disappeared into the ether without a, a, a blip or anything. Before we continue, I just want to remind everybody of one of our great sponsors here, which is Grammarly. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake for you on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, uh, punctuation, spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors. 
improving your vocabulary and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. So because no one was talking about it and it and Alexis graciously said, hey, let's not do the bad batch. Let's do Doug Days. We could have just done Monsters at Work, but you actively wanted to do Doug Days. Um, and I know, I'm, I'm guessing at least part of what informed that decision is your great love of canines. Um, was there anything else that made you, uh, I mean, is Up, especially one of your favorite Pixar movies? Was there anything else about this that hooked you? Well, first of all, I think the fact that I've got somebody playing with her squeaky toy nonstop in the background, and you got me throwing the squeaky toy. I am the queen of multitasking. Uh, yeah, huge dog lover. In my opinion, I'm going to be blunt here. Up is the greatest Pixar film ever put out. It's a bold statement. I stand by it. I'm, and I'm not saying that others aren't amazing. There are several that I will watch over and over and over again till the day I die. Yeah, you're not going to convince me that Toy Story 3 isn't isn't like Zenith Pixar. But oh, I will yeah. grant you, Up is probably top five. Exactly. It is amazing. It is beautiful. It is clever. And I'm not going to lie. I have trouble watching it because I break into tears. It, it is impossible yeah. to not watch that movie and that in Coco. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to retell the story I've told with my relationship to up. I'm pretty sure you know it. If you don't, I'm not going to repeat it here. Just know that that first 10 minutes of up, um, my wife and I had a very personal thing happen to us. That personal thing then happens in up. And we didn't know that was going to happen. And we ugly cried and almost turned the movie off. So Up is one of those where I will never say it's a bad movie, but it is a very hard movie for me to watch, especially those first 10 minutes. It is. Uh, like I said, I ugly cried in those first 10 minutes and mm -hmm. I ugly cried at the climax. But mm -hmm. it is a absolutely breathtakingly beautiful film. Not to mention... Rest in peace, Ed Asner. You were amazing. And the fact is that this man passed away in 91, surrounded by loved ones, died peacefully, and he was acting practically till the end of his life cycle. This was one of his last pieces. Mm. And just going to be blunt, that's the kind of thing we all want. You know, mm -hmm. that, that, is, that is a death that I think we dream of all having. And I know that sounds horribly morbid, but I think you get what I'm saying. Sure. So Doug Days is a continuation of what happened in the conclusion of Up. The series is set after the events of the 2009 movie and presents the adventures of golden retriever dog named Doug, who has a collar that allows you to hear what he's uh, saying in English, living with his owner, Carl Fredrickson, in their new house in the suburbs. And it's I'm not going to lie. I wasn't paying tremendously close attention when this first started. So it took me two or three episodes to realize the opening sequence was them home shopping. And then deciding on the house that, that the series takes place in. I want that oh. Jean Miro style house. <laughs> that is fantastic. You know, you know, tell me you saw that. You said that's the house Alexis wants. Tell me. Yeah, you that. Uh, that, I was like, boy, if that's an, if there's ever been an art house, that's the one. Um, but <clears throat> so, so these yeah. are these are like seven, eight minute shorts, I think. Something and like that. I wanted to see it immediately because when OK, when I first saw up, 
again, ugly cried like crazy. But the thing I think it made me laugh the hardest is that growing up, my family and I had a golden retriever named mm. Duncan. My parents actually have another golden retriever right now named Cooper. Duncan died sadly when I was in college of old age. But I remember watching up and I was just kind of sitting back there with a scared look on my face like, who the hell got a microphone in Duncan's head? Because <laughs> I have never seen such an accurate portrayal of what how a dog acts. And it, yeah. it was hilarious. It's like, I mean, if you've ever owned a dog, you know exactly what that show is like and how accurate it was and how hilarious it was. Mm -hmm. So when I saw they were doing this thing with Doug and they were bringing back Bob Peterson, who worked on up and voiced Doug and they even brought Ed Asner back. I was like, we have to talk about this. Plus the fact is that these were much shorter episodes and I thought we could use a break instead of talking like a full season of several half hour episodes. I thought little short vignettes would actually work better for us. We tend to have more fun talking about those. So um, there are five shorts here. All they all released on September 1st. They go uh, squirrel, puppy, smell, flowers, and science. Uh, so this first bit here <laughs> so funny because like the uh, the whole squirrel kind of thing you know it's <laughs> use that to make fun of like adhd or people you know <clears throat> with poor focus and you know it's also a thing that you you know you always talk about with dogs and they actually do it here like right out of the gate they're like this is going to be a very like in the mind of a dog kind of a thing it kind of reminded me of that family guy episode where they're going through the multiverse and in this iteration of the multiverse everyone's a dog and so, like, the doorbell rings, and Peter comes running down the stairs, and he's, like, you know, the whole time, he's like, I don't know who it is, but I'm really excited. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's either an intruder or one of my friends. Either way, I'm excited and ready for anything. Hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was really I have to say, Family Guy may not be as great as well, but I do love it when they have Brian actually act like a dog. There's one. Yes. In, it's a recent episode, recent season episode where brian has a good idea and peter says i was like is that a new tennis ball good idea and, brian, and peter pulls out a can and he goes it's a three new tennis ball idea and brian goes i'm gonna get them all i'm gonna get them all i'm gonna get them all. i was like that is so funny i love that yeah they do a good job with that um they this was funny this you know they kind of introduce you to what the series is going to be it's like a day in the life of a dog um this one you know he's chasing a squirrel i can't remember if so the thing that i remember most about this is the, the, the squirrel is storing nuts in a tree for the winter and Doug is chasing the squirrel and it's like a your basic like Tom and Jerry kind of setup essentially only oh, the, the squirrel and a dog. Sh these shorts have great uh, slapstick. It's really fun. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there comes a point where a tree branch breaks off the tree and causes all of the nuts that the squirrel has stored to come you know to to fly out of the tree roll out of the tree and they go down a drain and you know squirrels have kind of a blank face they don't have a face that has that that, that really emotes to where you could figure out what a squirrel is thinking or doing they just kind of have all squirrel face well they're and animals it, it's very hard to tell what right. animals are thinking emotionally from well, their faces some some animals are able to manipulate their face enough to where it's more emoting than than, than others and with squirrels um you know, being of the marsupial family it's it's not as easy as some others um, squirrel only the only squirrels in the marsupial family are flying squirrels all right so what's fuck i, I thought they were squirrels all just, <laughs> squirrels don't have pouches i don't know i ain't no botanist that's plants um <laughs> i ain't no marine biologist that's fish um <laughs> Hey, those zoologists. 
Anyway, um, point being. Thank you, Cleo. The point that I was trying to get to is I laughed hardest at when the squirrel realizes, and, and you and that that's the point that I'm trying to make. The squirrel's face when it's lost all of its nuts, and then its reaction is to throw itself into the jowls of Doug. It opens the mouth right down and closes just like bites. I just died. I died I laughing. Too. I was like, I didn't need to watch any more of this show because it wasn't getting funnier than that. Absolutely. And that was so funny. Like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm like, because like the whole time I'm like, I'm doing this because Alexis wanted to, and my son loves dogs, and so that's enough. And this will be a short task. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, all right, I'm hooked into the rest of the show now. I'm good. That was so goddamn funny. Like I said, th these shorts are so easy to fall in love with, especially if, yes, you are a dog owner or a dog lover. I mean, mm -hmm. you, uh, the second episode where they're, they're day sitting, uh, pack little, group, little puppies. Mm -hmm. And when Doug puts his head, it's like, and I, it's like, I just met you and I love you and you and you <laughs> and you. And did I say I love you? Well, I love you. Well, the you. best is the chewing on oh him. God. And he was like, I love the puppies, but ow. I love the puppies, <laughs> but ow. <laughs> this is starting to hurt, but I love the puppy. Ow. Puppies have the sharpest damn teeth, Cleo, <laughs> when you were a puppy and you would buy me like, oh, that's cute. Ow, needle teeth. Needle I teeth. I can't remember what it was I was thinking about, but there was like, there's at least one cartoon I've seen where, you know, Master goes to feed the dog, but the puppies keep jumping in and intercepting the food. Um, oh, um, mm, I know exactly what you're thinking of. That oh, Simpsons. That's the Simpsons. Mm -hmm. Twenty one and a half greyhounds. Okay, sure. I just I, that's right. So that all that stuff was fun. Um, what I also what I like about this is there are some like Mickey and Pluto cartoons where Pluto destroys everything in sight because he's chasing chipmunks or he's dealing with a cat or whatever the reasons Pluto's gone mad this time for. And uh, Mickey can sometimes be mean to Pluto. And uh, Ed Asner's Frederick, no, is that his name? Carl. Carl. Ed, <clears throat> Ed Asner's Carl ne is never mean to Doug. Like, he's always understanding and patient. And, you know, even when uh, the episode where, hey, look, only one of us can die on this show. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Just give me a second. Um, Here, CPR dog cutting in. <laughs> the episode where uh, something catches on fire. Um, and Doug finds it, and Doug loses his collar, so he can't communicate to Carl, hey, something's on fire. Even through all that, Doug, I mean, Carl is really trying to understand what Doug is doing. Like, he knows that this is not normal behavior for Doug, and he's trying to figure it out, and he's exasperated while still maintaining a degree of patience. He's never mean to Doug, which was a concerted choice, obviously, on behalf of the writers, because it's very, it would be, <clears throat> it would be the very easy. Is contagious. Well, um, it would be very easy to write him as kind of a grouchy old man. Oh, And totally. they never do that. You know, they always, he's always very good natured with Doug and very likable. And, and I really love that about the series. Yes, you've done your job. You saved me. Thank you, Cleo. Uh, so what did you like about it? besides what we talked about these are fun adorable little shorts if you own or love a dog which that is not your cue for a cameo Damn right. it. was there anything else that you wanted to bring up about this or are we just about done i think we're just about done the firework short actually did make me laugh the hardest i have mm -hmm. two dogs here who are both terrified of fireworks <coughs> excuse me 
every time it's fourth of july uh i have to leave my closet open mm-hmm. for eddie to run in there and hide during mm-hmm. the fireworks that is his safe space my uh sugar who uh for a little bit of time was locked in a shed <laughs> uh and i and i you know and you know how you've ever been inside of a shed you know a, a um aluminum shed and there's a storm out or something how things oh, reverberate yeah. and so she to this day will still like shake uncontrollably if there's a storm <laughs> we really have to like you know like calm her down um yeah but um yeah it, look if you've got a couple of minutes and you enjoy the, the disney shorts you've got some time to kill uh, these are these are fun i'll give you the last word and we'll get out of here i think cleo what's the last word it's a good show I'm sorry we will be getting a second season because, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Asner. Go ahead and do the next plug while I try to get this dog off my camera. Okay, this weekend, uh, sorry, this Wednesday, we will be reviewing the new Iron Maiden album. That Iron Maiden album is actually available for you to listen to on AmazonMusic.com. So we happen to be giving away a free... A free 30 days of the uh, Amazon Music Unlimited service click the link in the description fill out the uh the sign up process and you'll get yourself a free 30 days to stream all the iron maiden you want and who doesn't love iron maiden i know i love iron maiden alexis she should love iron maiden because iron maiden is fucking fantastic 666 the number of the beast yes I can't the trooper any- i can't support anything on metal hammer of doom because it's the only show that beats me in the ratings Just don't be so competitive a rising tide lists all ships. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so click the link at amazonmusic.com slash W2M network. Uh, in the meantime, um, up earlier today, we have a, a James Wan movie coming out this Friday called Malignant. So we're looking at all things James Wan. Uh, I actually just republished uh, a review of James Wan's Aquaman. That's up on the W2M site now from a few years ago. Uh, today we looked at a comic book that James Wan developed and, uh, worked on called Malignant Man, which is nothing to do with the movie. It just happens to have a similar title. Uh, he just so likes that, the word. Yeah. Um, so Jesse and Cole, um, Chris Armstrong reviewed Malignant Man. It's pretty good. Uh, they did a, uh, a t- almost a 22 minute review. Um, so go ahead and check that out tomorrow. Alexis will be back. Maybe she'll have the dog. Maybe she won't. It's all very exciting. Uh, Robert Winfrey and David Wright and I will all be reviewing the new Shang-Chi Legends of the Ten Rings movie from Marvel. Yet again, much like with Free Guy, it wasn't a movie I was looking forward to, and it ended up being one of the best movies of the summer. So that, that's that been the pattern for me. If I looked forward to it, it sucked. If I didn't look forward to it or didn't care, it was amazing. Uh, so we'll tell you all about Shang-Chi tomorrow. The af- we have the aforementioned Iron Maiden review. We'll have a review of AEW All Out. And then um, Alexis Haina, on her third appearance this week, uh, will be joining her new boyfriend, Jeff Sloboda, and Do I. Do call him that? Sweet <laughs> Jesus. I think he likes you. Um. <laughs> Bang, Is that going to get us demonetized on YouTube? <sighs> Who knows? Um, anyway, Jeff Sloboda of the MCU Bleeding Edge harassed me into getting him back on another show. Um, and he insisted Alexis Haina join us. So we are going to do a comic strip. We will be looking at the, I believe it's Eisner award winning, some sort of award winning graphic novel, Ghost World, and comparing it to the movie starring Scarlett Johansson, Thora Burt, and uh, Steve Buscemi. We have all that and more this week on 
W2M. All right, Alexis, what do you got going on? All right. Well, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, or Fashion Meets Fandom at the intersection of Geek and Chic. We're just about to wrap up our Labor Day sale. Everything is 15% off in our shops for tonight. And you know what? I'm feeling generous. We're going to extend the sale one more day until midnight on Tuesday the 7th. Everything in both our Etsy and Handmade and Amazon stores will still be 15% off. In addition, we are getting ready for our appearance for our final convention of the year at Cincinnati Comic Expo. It's one of our favorite shows. Really excited to be going back there. Those in the Kansas City area, be sure to check out both uh, Level 1 Game Shop and Mind Games and Magic and Lee Summit. Uh, we are selling our items there also wholesale, so if you can't make to the Cincinnati Comic Expo or just not a fan of shopping on Etsy be sure to head over to those shops we got our wire wrap dice our pins our keychains and various other accoutrements there looking forward though to uh, finishing up our convention season we're going to be starting some work on some new products some new designs uh, probably kicking around a few ideas seeing what's popular some ideas that I want to maybe touch up a little bit here and there gonna be adding a ton of stuff to the stores getting ready for the holiday rush it's like 80 degrees outside and I still have to think about the holidays. Good Lord. So again, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. All right. That's it for TV party tonight. For Alexis Haina, I'm Mark Radelich. Be well, be safe, and behave.